Welcome to another episode of Opinionated Off Topic. Today I'm with Carlos Mojica, co-owner, co-founder of Opinionated Media. I'm Cam Theory, co-owner, co-founder of Opinionated Media. Today I'm with my good friend Matt Bundy. Met him uh, earlier this year at one of Matt's reveal dinners. Uh, super, super good experience. Um, me and him really connected. I connected with him and uh, his buddy Cooper a lot. We kind of talked right off the bat and um, reached out to him. Seen he's been doing stand-up. He talked to us about doing his stand-up comedy, and, it, you know, it's cool to see someone in the community giving back, doing their shows, and, um, you know, creating content. So we wanted to give him uh, the opportunity today to, you know, talk about his story and get to know him a little bit more. So, yeah. What's up, boys? Yeah, How you doing? Up? I actually right. record this time, so. Don't okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I see you're a Zen guy, too, over there. I am a Zen guy. <laughs> are those are my new mic, flavored? by the way. Is this close enough? Yeah, yeah it should good. be okay, good. Cool. Are those the new flavored ones? These are citrus. Citrus. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't... I played baseball, but I've never, like, done any sort of tobacco ever. You didn't dip at all? No. And you played baseball? Yeah. Damn. You're a big gum guy, though. I was a oh, Big okay. gum and seeds. Yeah. Okay. Seeds was, like, my shit. Like, uh, Bigs. Do you know? Do you know some farcy like that? Mm -hmm. So Big's uh, dill pickle. Oh yeah, I like the dill pickle ones too. And then uh, sea salt and black pepper. Oh yeah, those those were my two. Like I have to have them mm -hmm. uh, every game. And then gum was. Uh, I was like gum younger, but like as I got older, it was like seeds. I don't know why. I think just because it's like you're just doing something the whole time. Like yeah, you, you can know, just spit them yeah. out. It's a bit of a you know, it's a power move. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, but thank you for taking time out your day. Um, it was a long drive for you. Uh, for me, that's a long time. So for other people, it's like, oh, I don't mind it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like driving anywhere. So uh, thank you for taking time out your day. I appreciate it. Um, but just give us a little backstory where you came from and how you got started to what you're doing now. Yeah, so I'm originally from Renton, Washington. It's a little town on the southern border of Seattle. So basically okay. Seattle area, but there's always that one person who I say I'm from Seattle they're actually from Seattle. And they're like, what part? And I'm like, Renton. And then it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's like us. We're from, sorry to cut trouble, we're from like Pflugerville. And it's mm -hmm. like, we oh, typically yeah. say we're from Austin because nobody knows where Pflugerville is. Mm -hmm. So it's just easier to say, like, I'm sure for you, it's like easier to say, oh, I'm from Seattle. I'm like, oh, I'm from Austin. Then they're like, oh, what part? I'm just like, oh, Pflugerville. Like, uh, that's not Austin. <laughs> Definitely. I had a girl once be like, you want to go back to my place? It's, it's in like North Austin and there's a Pflugerville address. And I was like, it's not happening. <laughs> but, but yeah, just, uh, you from, so originally from? Yeah, so originally from Washington. I moved to California when I was 18. And that, basically for college, but I dropped out of college pretty quickly. And I went back to Washington for a little bit to save up money to move to LA. So I just like got a job, was working a lot, um, getting ready to go there. And I went to LA for a acting and like modeling competition that my agency sent me to. And... Basically, everyone went back to Washington at the end of the competition. And I was like, nah, I'm staying here. I bought a car, found a place to live. And I was doing the like acting grind out there like very hard for three and a half years and doing a lot of sketch comedy, like live performances. So I was in a sketch group and there was like probably like 10 of us and we would do these live shows every month. And I never with comedy or with acting really felt like that was fully the thing I was supposed to be doing. I knew it was like close to what I was supposed to be doing, but it just never really like hit the way I always thought it would eventually. And and I don't mean hit in like a success thing. I mean hit like made me feel yeah. like good doing it. And a lot of my friends encouraged me to try stand up. I've been a huge stand up fan since I was a kid. And finally, I you know I never thought I was funny like 
outside of making my friends laugh or outside mm-hmm. of like sketches that I wrote. And so finally I tried an open mic and the second I got on stage, I just got this like wave of calm, like wash over me. And it was like, God was like, this is what you are supposed to be doing. And I actually got booked off of a show based on that open mic. And after that, I just was obsessed with it. It's just all I've thought about since that was four years ago. Damn. Growing up, did you like do any acting or anything? Or is that just something you like found later in life that you wanted to do? I did a couple plays as a little kid. Um, I actually, it's kind of funny. I auditioned for a, um, like a child agency and my best friend and my sister did it with me and they didn't get in. So my mom told me I didn't get in so they wouldn't feel bad. And she also, I don't think she wanted me to be a child actor, which is very smart yeah. of her. I probably I like, I barely made it through high school. There's, it would have been rough if I was a child actor. Yeah. It, especially like if you were to be famous, like we see it all the time with like Michael Jackson, uh, Justin Bieber, Johnny Menzel, like people who are like famous at a young age, like later in life, it just kind of gets to you because you don't know how to handle it and you're so young yeah. and it's, you don't live a normal kid life either. Yeah. And I had a bad enough drug problem when I was younger without being famous. I didn't need anything to add yeah, to that fire. Yeah. Um, so you go to LA, pursue like acting and whatnot, and then stand up comes into your life as well. Was because earlier you said that uh, from when you were a young age, like stand up was always um, something that you liked. Were you just going home watching Comedy Central? Because you mentioned Eli earlier, we had him on, and that's what he would do. Like after school, he would go home and just watch Comedy Central because he just loved comedy. Yeah, I watched a lot of Comedy Central, and then I remember the first time I was really like in awe of stand up. I think I was probably in fourth grade, and Maybe a little older than fourth grade, but basically my friend was like, hey, dude, you know who Dave Chappelle is? And I was like, no, who's that? And he's like, we got to go on YouTube. And he typed in Dave Chappelle's um, Sesame Street bit (laughs) from Killing Them Softly. And at that point in my life, that was the hardest I had ever laughed at anything in my entire life. I replayed the bitch, I live in a fucking trash can, like 85 (laughs) times in a row, just lost my shit, and then watched the entire special and was like, this is the coolest fucking thing in the world. And so that was like my big introduction to stand-up, I would say. Yeah, I, I, my dad liked comedy, but like, not that I didn't like it, but I I never like, oh, I'm just going to go to Comedy Central. But my first like, introduction to comedy was probably like probably like the kings of comedy like D.L. Hughley uh, Bernie Mac and mm-hmm. um, yeah uh, John Witherspoon everybody hates Chris like yeah. the shows and stuff that's kind of like well no not the shows but like them being oh yeah just them being stand up because my that's like my dad's like an older he likes the like the 90s rap and like just the older stuff he's an old mm-hmm. head and that's what I grew up on when I did hear it. And then, like, I was young when I heard it, so I didn't really, like, pay attention to it. And then when we are in middle school, everybody was talking about Kevin Hart. And then I saw Kevin Hart stand up. And that's when I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. This is funny. And then I started checking out other people. And that was, like, my first, like, form into comedy was, like, really Kevin Hart. Even though I heard it earlier, but it was really Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart was great. I watched him 
definitely when I was younger and like Cat Williams. I remember kind of that generation of mm-hmm. guys coming up. Well, Cat Williams was already up, but yeah, I found out about him the same time. But I, mm-hmm. I so I found out about Cat Williams maybe the same time, maybe earlier. But I just remember the one that I always watched was like, um, what was he talking about? He stole. He like ate the kid's cereal when he got too high, and he was like, "Oh, uh, they." He was like, "They damn sure did steal all the cereal or whatever." But he was he was the one who ate it. And it was how was that one? And then um, it was just Kevin Hart after that. I'm pretty sure. When did you like? What was like? Yeah, for first? for me, I mean, to be honest, I probably got into comedy later than most. Like, which I would say recently, and I think it's been more so because of like us doing like the podcasting. Like, I think. Um, like Theo Vaughn, like I didn't even, I knew he was a comedian, but I didn't get into like watching any of his stand up or anything until I started watching his podcast. Cause I was like, oh, this is funny. Like he's hilarious. The way he's interviewing people is hilarious. Like, oh, he's a comedian. Let me dive down that rabbit hole. And then even now with like comedy, which we'll get into, but like the Drewski skits, like the Desi Banks skits, like the stuff on like Instagram or TikTok, that's kind of like how I like consume comedy. Like I haven't really gotcha. got a chance to dive into uh stand up except uh what's his name? He, he had like a stand up special in Austin. I forget his name. It's Shane like, Gillis. Bro, that's like the funniest Shane thing. Shane Gillis is funny. That's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. He's, like, I'm not even he's hilarious. Okay, Shane's one of my favorite comedians. Uh-huh. Since he just had a new special come out mm-hmm. about a month or six weeks ago. I have probably had 25 people in the past month be like, dude, this one guy's special. He's I'm like Shane Gillis. Like, yeah, how'd you know? Bro, he <laughs> he has murderer. really great yeah. delivery yeah. on his stand-ups. Really great. And he sets up his next jokes really well. Mm-hmm. Have you seen his sketches? Uh-uh. I haven't, oh, but dude. I'll have to d- dive into those. So season one is on YouTube, and then season two is behind a paywall. It's mm-hmm. worth the paywall. His sketches are, I haven't seen anything like it since Chappelle's show. Really? Mm-hmm. This is one about Trump speed dating, and it is. <laughs> so it's funny that you bring up uh, him because I was uh, I'm a big gamer, and I was watching somebody game today, and he's a big comedy guy, and um, that's his favorite comedian. And I ne- I haven't heard the Trump one, but he like tried to look it up on YouTube, but he couldn't find it, and he was like, uh, "It's probably not here for a good reason." Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he might have the best. Him and Jamie Foxx are probably tied for the best Trump impression out there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That, so I didn't watch it, but on satellite radio, um, my dad would always listen to the Jamie Foxx show. And that has like that was just nothing but stand-up. So I, I, I got a lot of stand-up from that, too. Wanda, Wanda was another funny one. I like Wanda a lot. Oh, Wanda Sykes? Uh, yeah, yeah. She's mm-hmm. funny. Um, she's hilarious on Curb Your Enthusiasm. You ever seen that mm-hmm. show? Oh, it's Larry David, the Seinfeld creator. Uh-huh. He has his show, and everyone besides him basically plays themselves. And she is, she has like this beef with Larry all the time, calling him like racist. It's so funny. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's really good too. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, what, so you said it came natural to you? Like, it well, came natural because like doing stand ups really, really, really hard. It's not just like you can't just stand up there and tell jokes. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily ca- say it came natural to me. I, I had the privilege of my first set going a lot better than most people's first set goes. But I think that actually probably hurt me in my first year. Because then I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, nobody gets booked on a show after their first time doing an open mic. I must be really fucking good at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. And yeah. just being like, oh, shit, I am a I'm not even an infant right now. Like, 
stand up is still pregnant with me. If uh, that makes sense. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. a baby baby yeah. and I have so much to learn. Yeah. What, what is it that like makes stand up so hard? Cause I mean, you could be funny and tell jokes, but like, that's not everything. Yeah. It's the best analogy I've heard about it is Andrew Schultz once said, it's like playing basketball, but the hoop is always changing every shot. And I think that is such an accurate way to put it because, you know, like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face mm-hmm. and you can come up and you can think you have, you know, the hottest shit in the world. And there are just so many elements that can go wrong. And yeah, there's just, there's a million different things you always kind of have to be conscious of, but then you also have to like drop all of that because you need to be present with the audience. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's interesting. I'm assuming like the hoops would be the audience. Yeah. Because they're always changing. So like for people who don't know you or like never heard of you, how do you like win an audience over? Cause like we, we know the Shane's, we know the Kevin's, we know the cats, we know all them. And you're automatically going to laugh because you just know that they're funny. Even if the joke's not funny, you're still going to laugh because they're funny. Um, well, that's just, you know them to be funny, so you're going to laugh. Mm-hmm. So how do you win, like, a crowd over? Oh, man, that is a, that's a good question. I mean, sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it, it's hard. Yeah, sometimes I don't. But for the most part, I think the biggest thing is being as present as you can with them and really trying to be as authentically you as you can be because People know when they're being bullshitted and they hate it. So like, and that doesn't mean everything you have to say is true. I mean, I'm the very politically incorrect comedian. Almost everything that comes out of my mouth isn't like, you know, true necessarily. But if you're coming at it from a place of, you know, you're being yourself behind it. And it's not like you're being some like annoying character that you think the audience wants you to be. Mm -hmm. I think that is the best way to connect with an audience. So like when you're up there, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go, 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 no, up, go, no, go for it. There are people who are characters also. Yeah. Um, who's a good example of that. Andrew Dice Clay. Mm-hmm. He used to do a bunch of different characters. He has a different government name. And then the Dice Man was the character that just took off. And so he just decided that's my act now. But that's still him to an extent. Yeah. Who's the guy with the puppet? What's oh, his name? Um. He's like, he has like him, and then he's like, uh, has a puppet. I yeah, can't remember his, his name. last name starts with a D. Oh my God, I've seen so much of his stuff. He has like Ahmed the Terrorist, right? I don't know. His, I just know he has, a, I don't know exactly the puppet. I just know that growing up there, I don't think it's something Ahmed Dunham, the I think. Uh Yes. Um, he would. Uh, starts with a K at something Dunham. Jeff Dunham. Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Dunham. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, he was pretty funny too. Yeah. I used to watch him a lot when I was younger because my grandma loves him. Loved him. She thinks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, for for sure. My question was going to be, um, like, if you're up there telling jokes, because I'm sure you probably prep or whatever's going on in the world or whatever's current or whatever you're feeling. But I guess, for example, your scripts, like, if you have a script, you know, like, I got to get to these five jokes and I know these are going to bang. So they don't bang. Like, what do you do as a curveball when you're, like, live on stage? Oh, man. Um Sometimes I'll try and do crowd work, mm-hmm. engage the audience a little bit. People really like to feel like they're a part of the show, and I get it. I mean, that's the funnest part of a show a lot of times. Um, Matt Reif is a great example of that. All he posts is crowd work because he doesn't want to burn material, and 
it makes the show significantly more fun for people. He's also great at it. It's really hard to do crowd work at the level that he's doing mm-hmm. that. But I would say, yeah, just not being afraid to pivot and just kind of be in the moment. Mm-hmm. The worst is when a joke starts falling flat and you're not even halfway through the setup. But sometimes, I've, I've had some incidences where a joke wasn't landing and I probably did... It was like a two and a half, three minute long joke. I probably did two minutes and 15 seconds with just no laughter. But then when I finally got to the punchline at the very end, it just like erupted the place. So sometimes, you know, you just got to stick to your guns and it will work out. Is there like ever considered anything like a joke to be too long? Is there there like a time frame that you kind of want to keep it in to keep the retention of the audience? No, I mean, Dave Chappelle has some jokes that are a good 20 minutes long. Um, I think it just depends on what your style is. People will invest a lot longer in a story than they will in just, like, jokes. Yeah, I agree. So if you're a storyteller, shit, if you can make your entire act a story and make it funny, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> uh, I can't remember what you said. What, uh, when he did the, the crowd people, like, is that, like, just... Uh, finding some of the audience and like picking on them. Yeah. Not necessarily picking on them. Just That's what, yeah, not, them. Yeah, yeah. Talking to them. Sometimes you pick on them. Yeah. Um, I only really pick on people if they do something blatantly rude. <laughs> um, unless they want it. Some people want to be roasted. That's yeah. fun too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it's always makes for a good laugh for everybody, even the person. Cause I mean, some people do like to be roasted and then some people who don't, but like at the end of the day, it's still funny. Mm-hmm. Like if you're getting roasted, yeah, it sucks. You're getting roasted if you don't like it, but it's still funny. And at the end of the day, like you don't mean anything by it. You're just saying, hey, yeah, as you're long just as you a can tell yeah, it yeah. Comes from a good yeah. place. Have you ever dealt with people like and because I always tell people they're like, oh, that was like out of line. I'm like, it's comedy, you know. Like there's there's obviously yes, there's probably is a line, but it's like you just know when it's like crossing it or when it's not crossing it. Have you what was we? Oh uh, no! Oh, I wasn't. Oh, well, I had something in my head. But I wasn't trying to say anything. Oh no! You're but good. I was gonna say like I feel like there isn't a line with comedy. There is and there isn't. Like, I feel like if you're going to a comedy show, you can't go in there and like get offended. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't go in there and get offended. But I definitely do think like it's hard to explain. That's why I'm asking him that. Like, is do you think when you like do a comedy show or whatever, and you're like saying specific jokes or you know telling saying specific things, do you ever come back and like, dang, that was like. A little out of pocket do you ever think like that or is there ever people at your shows that are that might like i don't know say something about it being out of pocket or whatever i've never really had anybody like during my show be like that's wrong i've had people you know cross their arms yeah yeah people get up and like storm out but i've never really fortunately had someone like really come at me yeah i'm i'm sure it will happen eventually yeah um I I don't believe that there's anything you can't make a joke about. For sure. There is definitely a line of society, and there needs to be for there to be comedy. Like, most of what comedy is is pushing back, and so there's nothing to push back against. There's nothing to really, you know, yeah. make yeah. funny. But um, there have been times where... So I have this one joke I'm working on right now, and it's, like, very delicate subject matter. Mm-hmm. And there's been... It's in its infant stages, and I'm really trying to work it out. And there's been some times where I've been like, okay, there is definitely a more delicate way to say that. Yeah. When the subject's not going to change, the point of view's not going to change. But 
there's a fine line between you know being funny and edgy and just bullying a yeah. group of people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know. I feel like if, like I said, if you're going to a comedy show, you you can't get offended because like at the end of the day, comedy is mainly derogatory. Yeah. So like you can't if you're going to a show, you have to expect that and, and can't get offended. The only reason, the only way I would say you should get offended if it's like literally directed at you. Like if the comedian is looking at you and talking to you and directed at you. Mm-hmm. That's like, I feel like the only like boundary. Other than that, I personally feel like it's free game just because like, yeah, that's comedy. That or I feel like if the comedian is like, like he was saying earlier, is like only like targeting a specific subject or group of people, then I feel like, all right, that's coming off a certain way. But if it's like, you know, everyone can get it type deal, which I feel like is how it should be, then I think it's probably good. And know? I feel like for the most part, it, it typically is yeah. everyone can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard like many comedi- uh, comic shows where it's directed at one, uh, I guess we'll just say like race or whatever. And if it is, it's typically that same race that the comedian mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's if, you, if you're going to a show, it's just it's a fair game. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I love so much about Austin is the people here are just comedy fans. And they know you're joking. And so, they will let you get away with a lot of stuff, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, I also, like I said, I grew up on, like, older generation comedy. And older generation everything, you're, a lot, you're able to say a lot more stuff than today's generation just because yeah like everybody's quote unquote soft and you can get you canceled are, you are, though yeah I mean, lenny bruce is like the godfather of like the type of comedy that we all love mm-hmm. he used to get arrested for his sets really really yeah he used to straight up get arrested because back then there were actually things you could not say on a stage really mm-hmm. dang did not know i that. did not know that either yeah that's crazy so, um, look, going through like some of your content and things like that, like with the skits and all that, uh, I mentioned earlier, that's kind of how, that's like really kind of how I like got into comedy is just like, you know, being all, like newer generation, just seeing like skits, you know, all that kind of stuff. And your skits are just hilarious. Cause you, you touch on so many things and it's like current, you like, it's a current event. It's like, Oh, I'm going to hit it right now. Um, but I guess like, how do you go about, you know, putting out content and like your skits as opposed to like saving that for though. This is probably better for like a show or in person kind of joke. That's a really good question. So whenever I come up with an idea, my first thought is, do I think this is a sketch or do I think it's a joke? Usually it's pretty easy to differentiate. Like usually I, um, Usually I'm pretty good at differentiating, but sometimes I'll like get like halfway through writing something and I'm like, this would work so much better if I could just make it a sketch mm-hmm. or vice versa. I have been right about to film a sketch once and I was like, ah, this is, this is going to be a bit. And that just was like, like comedy always like stand up always comes first. Yeah. So then I just had to call my camera guy and be like, we're pushing back two hours. Like I got to mm-hmm. write something new. Yeah. How do you balance it too? Because it's on your YouTube, it's a new video every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming that's from the sketches. So how do you go about like balancing like, all right, here's an idea for a sketch and like, here's an idea for my standup. Cause stand up typically does take longer because you write a whole set versus like a, a sketch is like, here's two minutes. Yeah. So 
you say, and how do I d- differentiate? How do you, or how do you balance the two? Because it's like you spend all this time, like, all right, I'm going to spend all this time working on a sketch, but you can't think of anything. So here you go. There's three hours out the window. And then like, all right, I'm going to spend all this time working on a stand-up. And there's like, oh, there's six hours out the window. Yeah. So like, how do you balance? Do you have like specific days set where like this day is prioritized for 10 sketches and then this day is prioritized for just my stand-up? Yeah, so one thing I'm fortunate about with sketches is I'm a procrastinator. And so sometimes it's just like, shit, I got to film a sketch this afternoon. Start writing, motherfucker. And so, you know, when you have a deadline like that, it makes it a lot easier. But I would say I spend a lot more time on my stand-up stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm also a lot more comfortable with, like, really... I'll write stand-up jokes all day and then decide I'm not going to use any of them. And I'm a lot more comfortable for some reason doing that than I am with like writing sketches that I don't think are going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, usually, so usually it's pretty clear when I come up with the idea and once I've like pictured what I want from it, I know I'm like, okay, this is a sketch idea. So then I have like this big list of sketch ideas that I have and every week I'll go through and write a couple of those and then film one. But I would say sure. the sketches come to me a lot quicker, like writing wise. So I would say there's like a couple days a week where I'm usually like de- um, designated. This has to be about writing sketches. But for the most part, I'm really just thinking about like stand-up stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Because <clears throat> Eli, he does like just different skits too, but he does it just like on the fly. He doesn't write anything. Like he doesn't prepare or anything. He just, all right, well, record and here goes nothing. Yeah, I've done a few of those. So... Usually what I'll do is I'll write half, improvise the other half. Um, there's been a couple that, you know, every single word I wrote was the only thing that made it on screen. And then there's been a couple where I didn't write anything and we just roll the camera and just, you know, see what sticks. One of my sketches, this is one of my, this has actually turned out to be one of my favorite ones, but I didn't even have an idea that week. I was having a horrible week. I meet up with my camera guy. And I'm just like banging my head against the wall. I like don't really know what to do. And I, and he's like, should we cancel? I'm like, no, we can't cancel. We have to, you know, I have, I have to put something out every week. And basically he looks at me. He's like, what about like a yoga teacher who wants to fuck your wife? And that was just like a jump off. Yeah, that one was me. hilarious. And I was like, I ripped my shirt off and I was like, roll the camera. I know exactly <laughs> what we are doing with this. <laughs> it helps that I've taken a lot of yoga classes. So I. I know what it looks like. So when you first started doing comedy, was content creation ever in the picture? Or is it just like I'm like I'm just focusing on comedy, like doing stand-ups? Eventually, it definitely was. One thing I still want to do in the future is find a director who's like very like-minded with me and write and produce like my own movies to mm-hmm. be in. Um, if I had to choose between movies or comedy, mm-hmm. I'm choosing comedy. But it'd be awesome to do both. So that was always in mind for me. And I always knew I would probably post sketches in the future just because it was such a part of my life when I was in that group where we were performing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know how that was going to look. And then the reason I started making sketches is about three years into doing comedy, so a little over a year ago, I just, nothing was moving for me the way I wanted it to move. And I remember, I've I probably ma- mentioned Andrew Schultz a hundred times since we started this episode, <laughs> but you know, he's one of my favorites and 
gotten a lot of advice from just listening to what he's done with his career. And um, he mentioned how he wasn't really getting booked where he wanted to get booked and things weren't happening the way he wanted them to happen. So he posted a clip every week for a year. And then he never really stopped after that. But that was the original goal. And I was working this job that was making me absolutely miserable. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I cannot post stand-up clips every week for a year right now. I would burn through all of my material in like a couple of months. And then what am I even getting people to come to shows for? Because I'd have nothing. And so I made this one sketch and I remember thinking, I'm like, if this gets a thousand views, I'm going to be so happy and I'm going to keep making videos. It got like 20,000 views. Yeah. And I basically at that moment was just like, okay, I'm making a sketch every week for a year. And that was like 70, 70 ish weeks ago. And now I'm getting to the point where I am ready to start posting stand up. I'm not going to do it as frequently as my sketch videos, but I'm thinking like at least one video a month. I'm taping all my shows now, so if there's ever a crowd work moment that I know can't be recreated, that's going straight up on my page. And I'm really trying to start making stand-up a lot bigger part of my content. Because one thing I will run into is, like, I use my sketches to promote shows, and then people will come to my shows and be like, that's so cool that you just started doing stand-up. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's the other way around. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, two questions. One, was it hard for you to, like, do content in the sketches and two do you ever get like i guess writer's block if you will so what was the first question again how was it hard for you to like start doing content creation basically or is this or is it something that's like uh you're just good at it it's definitely something that it's hard but I felt like for so many years I had been doing so much acting and sketch writing and stand up that it really prepared me for being able to just like churn out material quickly. Mm -hmm. And once I got past like that, like six or seven week mark where I had like, this is just a part of my week. Every week we are doing this, no matter what I think of the final product, it's going up there. Once it, you know, really became a habit. Now it's just like, it almost kind of feels like second nature a little bit. I still put a lot of work into like the writing and performing, but it's a lot easier just knowing it's something that's a non-negotiable for me. I definitely get writer's block. Yeah. I get writer's block all the time. And mm -hmm. one of my favorite sketches I've done was a week where I had horrible writer's block. And so I did a sketch called what it looks like to have writer's block. And it was just my camera guy on me while I was just losing my shit in the living room. <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, it was, it was really fun. That's, that, that, that's probably how it is because we've had artists on and, and they talk about, uh, well, we asked them about writer's block and some of them just, you know, like, oh, I just walk away and then I come back like X amount of hours later, days later. Uh, some people were just like, I just try to listen to different stuff and just put something down. So what is, what is something that you do to like get out of it? Um, There's a really, Ernest Hemingway is one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned something and he has a book where it's literally just about his life when he was in his mid twenties living in Paris. And he was talking about how he never stops writing until he knows what's going to happen next. So that when he goes to write the next day, he's got something to jump off with. The hardest part of writing is that initial creating something out of nothing. So when you know where something's going and you take a break, it's a lot easier to come back to it. I've also, I've been reading Rick Rubin's book lately. 
Have you guys heard about his new book? I haven't heard about his new book, but that's my guy. I like his quotes. He has, he has his podcast is pretty cool too, the Tetragram or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I haven't heard about his book. So it's called The Creative Act, and it's all about the entire creative process. And he puts it into terms where, you know, you could be a comedian and read it. You can be an entrepreneur and read it. You can be an actor, a musician, because he works with such a variety of artists and he has so many friends who are in different fields. And so that has been a really great book for me on really like solidifying a process. And it's also got just some practical tools to help you get through stuff. That's dope. Uh, going like, I guess doing consecration and put it in a video every week. You see, I guess like people like Drewski and, 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 uh, what's his name? Desi, Desi Banks, Desi Banks, uh, like yeah. who do, Skit, 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 skit. And that's what like blew them up and then went to stand up. Is that something you see yourself doing or is it like you would rather just do stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up and the skits are just part of it? Yeah, the skits are really just to have another creative outlet and, you know, to make people have awareness about me and to build more of a following so that I can sell tickets. I think I definitely had a fear. Part of the reason it took me so long to start making sketches is I had a fear that I wasn't going to be respected by other comedians and that they were going to think that I was just the content creator guy who's now giving stand-up a try. And it was actually when I saw his interview with Trevor Wallace and I found out, I thought he was one of those guys. I thought he was someone who just like made sketches and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. started doing comedy. He was doing comedy way before he ever made a sketch. And that kind of gave me the green light of like, okay, I can do this and still be respected by my peers. Yeah, because when I first was, you know, when I first saw like Trevor Wallace and stuff, I didn't even, I just thought he was like you said, just like a a sketch guy because, you know, that's kind of like blew up. And then he like transitioned in and brought it back. And I feel like there's so many ways to do that in any kind of, you know, creation way. Like maybe you start off as a stand-up person, but with especially now with social media and the internet, you have to kind of take advantage of your resources. You can put out these sketches or skits and they can go blow up. And then these people's like, Oh, he's funny. Like, let me go to the show now. As opposed to it's like, you've been doing shows though. So it's, they're like, Oh, like he's good at stand up. It's like, yeah, cause I've been doing this too, you know? So it's, it's, it's cool mm-hmm. to see that. I was going to ask you, cause I don't know if you went, but he, you went to the Drewski show. Yeah, I did. Is his like live show, like a stand up or is it more like a, show uh i would say it's kind of a mixture of both like obviously you know he has his main acts or whatever like go before him and then he like does it does his show i think it was different because this was the first one and obviously he has this could have been records uh series on youtube where he like has people audition almost like american idol type Mm -hmm. type deal and i think that's like super creative but um it's very similar to that kind of because like i mean a lot of the people that were actually there were people we knew from the podcast that were like going on as acts but it's kind of like a show, I think, but I think that was just like a, a chapter of his stand-up. I think he like started it with that, and then probably when he goes on tour again, it will be completely different. You know, you think he'll do like straight stand-up? Uh, I don't think he'll ever do straight stand-up because I think, I just think the way he is and like, I just don't think that's like his lane. Like, I'm not saying yeah. he can't do it, yeah. but I just don't think that's like well, his the, lane. Thing is, stand-up is hard. Like, yeah. it's probably the hardest form of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes your audience 
doesn't necessarily if you're somebody who did he do stand up before he started no that's another no, thing no that was okay, a thing so he blew yeah, up off of like off making videos. videos chances are his audience wants to see him more just being a character on stage that's and true like wiling out mm-hmm. than necessarily doing stand up there's this one girl and I forgot her name I really wish I could remember it because she's really funny and my friend took me to her show and she does stand up. And then she started doing these online videos where oh, I forgot the character, but it was like a um, rich golf mom. And it's those videos are like what like really propelled her career as a standup. So what she did, and this is really smart, she did her hour act. Mm. And then she was like, I have a friend who's going to come out and do some time. And she said the name of her character. And everyone's like, oh, my God. So then she went backstage, got on the costume and then came out. And I thought that was a really good blend of mm. both worlds. And I kind of went with like a little bit of an attitude because I was like, I don't know. I was like, oh, this is just like one of those content creators who like started doing comedy super late. And then I realized through watching her, like, no, this is a legit fucking stand up. She's mm-hmm. really done the work. And now she just has this character that's blown mm-hmm. up and that's amazing for her. Yeah. That's how she got eyeballs on mm-hmm. her. Do you, with your like sketch, do you ever try to collab with anybody? Like have other comedians be in it? Yeah. Right now I'm mainly, if I need other people, I usually just get some of my like buddies but i really want to start doing videos with more comedians especially because if i was doing these videos in la i know so many actors there that i could constantly get people mm-hmm. but i like working with comics a like mainly because they can just riff and they're funny and so actually one of my friends is a really funny stand-up around town and me and her are going to start doing some content together and doing more like long form sketches. I'm mm-hmm. actually working on one that we're gonna film in the next couple of weeks. I'm really excited for it. And we're gonna get some other comedians to be in it also. And I would I would love to expand out and start doing like bigger pieces with more hilarious people. The reason I ask that is because you know RDC World, the Supreme Dreams, Mark Phillips. I'm not sure. They'll do like the videos of like and it's like it You've was kind of yeah, it's kinda like centered off sports and stuff, but like It'll be like after, for example, if LeBron James is playing the NBA Finals, they would like immediately post a video if like LeBron's team lost and it'd be like LeBron in the locker room and then he would like have his friends and they would be like the other players and stuff. Have you seen those? I think I know. Yeah, yeah. So that, they were kind of this guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, did they do that one about the Amber Alert? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So yeah. funny. So bro. the reason I asked that is because they live in Austin. They do? They do, yes. yeah. They, they live, live in, in Round Rock. I'm Round Rock sure. area. But. Um, and he's a he's a really dope guy. Um, he's really genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes like a lot of his skits are in public and in like public gyms. And then um, where he works out at is is I can tell you off camera because I don't want everybody to go in there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, one of our friends um, went there and met him and and he gave him two tickets to his. Um, Comic-Con. Yeah, he has oh, a cool. he has a uh, DreamCon. Dream it's a it's a uh, convention every year that has a bunch of bunch of content creators. Um, it's in Austin. They back big oh, names. Yeah, like they, Kai Sinat. What is it? Uh, uh, it was earlier this summer. I think it's coming up in December. No, no, it was in the summer. It already or happened. tickets are on its own December. Yeah, so something like that. It happened December this su- it happened this summer. It used to be in Dallas, but they moved it to Austin. Um, and we plan on hopefully going some at some point because one of our friends, uh, Peyton. Uh, the You Should Know podcast, which is kind of something I wanted to bring up too with you, because um, we talked about something off camera. Um, like they are good friends with him, and then like they went to his his event. And kind of going into my next question or point is, you had mentioned uh, 
if we want to get into it, you had mentioned off camera that you're kind of, since you wanted to start collabing, you want to start like a podcast and kind of go down that lane. Cause, uh, you know, Theo Vaughn, I know Trevor Wallace has a podcast, like, um, who, what's the Asian guy and, uh, Bobby Lee. Yeah. Like, and the, Andrew yeah. Right like they have a podcast. Yeah. Um, and then what's the other one where they cook? Oh, what is something's that? burning? Yeah. Something's burning. So Bert Kreischer yeah. and Andrew Schultz are my two favorite comedians of all okay. time. Um, yeah, I, yeah, because it's like and I, and like seeing like kind of like that long forms like for example the podcast, but even like something's burning like that long form scripted content. Um, and then I mentioned my friends uh, Peyton and Cam, like they started a podcast where he was just kind of just telling like skits directly to the camera. Like he was like he had it like off center and he was like talking to a wall and he would just tell stories about his life. Blew up over time. Like people thought he was hilarious. And then he ended up bringing his friend in as a co-host. And then now they do uh they have like a live show now and that now they're like comedians, but it started off as just like a podcast. So I'm curious to hear like your thought process on like getting into that long form content too. Yeah. So what do you mean by long form content? Like so like, yeah, like podcasting or, or just anything where it's like, I wouldn't say it's like a stand up show, but it's like something's burning, something like creative with a creative outlet, but, yeah. but it's got your comic uh, centric values in it. Yeah. So I am definitely trying to start a podcast soon. And there's two things I really need to start it. One, I want to have a co-host who's also a comedian mm -hmm. who I feel like I have a really good rapport with mm -hmm. because a lot of my favorite podcasts are like Bert Kreischer, for example, is mm -hmm. Two Bears, One Cave with mm -hmm. Tom Segura. And that is like so funny. Mm -hmm. I would definitely want to get guests on too. But mm -hmm. um, so finding that person who I really like click with and I think we could make like, mm -hmm. we have great conversations off camera. Mm -hmm. And if we put the camera on us, conversation wouldn't change, but yeah. it's just as entertaining. And then I also, because of shows like Something Burning, and there's so many podcasts out there, I would love to find like a creative way to do the podcast. Yeah. So like David Lucas has one now where he takes people fishing. Mm. That's such a great Dope. thing because you're fishing. And so you can have a full-blown conversation and it's not going to be too distracting. Yeah. That's um, cool. No, it's so, good. Yeah. So just if I could find something along those yeah. lines, that would be a really great way to do it. But I definitely do want to start a podcast. Yeah. It's cool to, that you mentioned that like, making it different, you know, and making it unique. Cause I feel like nowadays with podcasting and you know, the way it is, I feel like you have to kind of change it up. Like one of my favorite content creators, he started a podcast recently called around the bar and it's like him having a drink with someone, but it's like their specific favorite drink. It's not like drink champs where there's like 8,000 bo bottles on the table and they're just taking shots of whatever, you know? So I feel like that's cool. Just to, um, I was just curious to hear that just from like a, another creator to another, just like what's your take on that? So, yeah. Yeah. I think drink, drink champs is one of the greatest ideas for a show ever. Yeah. They are so entertaining. And they're so long and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, three hours. Like you're not even phased by it. Yeah. <laughs> At all. Next time they have someone I really like on there, I think I'm going to get some boys together and be like, yo, let's, let's drink with them. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. honestly, that's a good idea. Yeah. I haven't really watched too much of them. I mean, it's actually I meant to tell you this, but, uh, I, even though I do a podcast, I don't really watch too much or listen to too much podcast, but I did catch up on a lot of podcasts today. Um, I feel like that happens when you're really immersed in something. When you have time away from it, you almost don't want to, like, watch that thing. You want to, like... Well, it, that's all he... Like, he doesn't even... Because he was a big... Well, he still is a big music guy, but he doesn't even really listen to music anymore. It's just straight nothing but, like, podcasts. Yeah, and I think the reason why, like, that's helped, like, me a lot is because I work from home a lot, and... I'm an accountant is my day job. So like my work is pretty like, you know, repetitive. It's like very monotonous, same shit over and over again. So 
for me, I just like to learn. And then I think that I'm interested in so many different things. And now with, you know, the internet and whatever, there's so many different topics of whatever you're interested in. There's probably a podcast for it and probably a good podcast. So I'll like go from listening to sports shows to, you know, a Theo Vaughn podcast to uh, like a gaming podcast to a music podcast. So I don't know. I feel like, and, and it's also helped me, you know, come up with ideas too for like, our other shows we have within our media company, like little segments, like, Hey, we should do a, like a tier talk. Like, obviously you can talk about anything, but it's like, if I ask you, Hey, what's your favorite four cereals? Like you can start a discussion with something as general as that. So just learning different stuff and just trying to evolve, you know, like yeah, cause the, you know, we listen to the same gaming podcast, but, uh, the last, the last episode at the hex quarters, mm-hmm. it was literally nothing but like, they were just chopping it chopping up. Chopping it up and talking yeah. about like dreams and like their nightmares, but like having lucid dreams and control of their nightmares and like remembering everything. And mm-hmm. like, it was just like, okay, but like you, I <laughs> listened to it because it was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys know who um, Jimmy Tatro is? Who? I don't. Jimmy Tatro? Mm-mm. So you've probably seen him in a lot of movies lately. He started off as like the frat bro guy in college who would make these like super fratty sketches. And one thing him and his partner did that was really smart, I think, is once every couple months, they released a video called Drunk Questions. And it's just them answering questions from fans getting drunk. And it is such a good idea. The videos are like 20 or 30 minutes long. And it gives people like that longer form way of kind of getting to know them mm-hmm. without them feeling like they have to do like a podcast episode every week or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Even then, it's like stuff like that. It's like... 20, 30 minutes is a long time to listen to something straight because people's attention span just nowadays is just short. Yeah. That's why short form content is such a big thing. But if you have something that's like easy to listen to and get your attention is funny, it's yeah. you, you yeah. can't like you can't go wrong with that. And that's such a good idea to do that. Because yeah. I mean drunk was it drunk tweets? Drunk questions. Drunk questions, like I mean, we're all old enough, we all drink, so it's like We'll always ask dumb stuff when we're drunk or say dumb stuff when we're drunk. So, like, you can, like, also relate to it as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I have a couple ideas like that that I've wanted to get off the ground. One thing, and I won't tell you guys exactly what it is until we're off camera. Yeah. But it's a segment I want to do on my podcast that not a lot of people do. And I think it would be very entertaining as part of the podcast. Yeah. But another thing I want to do, and I'll say this out loud, because if somebody wants to, somebody wants to sponsor these videos and, um, (laughs) you know invest um no facts (laughs) it's a segment it would probably be like 20 or 30 minute long thing where i get like another comic or like someone i'm friends with to come and you know we kind of talk the whole time but it's called baked baking Mm. so i suck at baking only thing i can really cook are steak and eggs so (laughs) i think it'd be really fun for me to like take a bunch of bong rips or like take a bunch of edibles and then have this complicated ass baking recipe that i have to make while i'm like talking to the person they can help me they can also be baked (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I think that would just that'd be, be yeah, that'd yeah. be that'd be that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. That was one of my questions was, how do you make yourself stand out, different yourself from like other people who are doing podcasts or other people who are doing skits or other people who are doing stand up? Like, how do you get them like look at me, don't look at him? I think, well, one really important frame of mind is to realize that there is enough of the pie for everybody. Mm-hmm. So you can look at him too, but there's enough room for people to still look at me, if that makes sense. Um, I think the more 
true you are to your point of view, the more people gravitate towards that. So like, it's going to sound kind of corny, but the only way to separate yourself is to be yourself, you know? And yeah. it's true. Like, it's very true. If you're someone who's authentically you, people, your people. That's what people like come. the most. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I was actually speak, uh, listening to uh, The Pivot, which is one of another podcast I like, and they had a, they had a Gilly the Kid on it, and he's a, a co-host of A Million Dollars Worth of Game. It's Gilly and Wallow. That's a great show. Yeah, I love that show. Like, amazing. And, like, he was talking on it about Wallow because he was like, oh, Wallow gets out of jail. You know, he tries to do things the right way and, you know, get on social media and just like, oh, well, you need to do this and that. And then Gilly was like, nah, like, you got to give them who you are. And then he was like, First time I told him that he does a he does push-ups outside in the rain. It's like get up, like get your ass up. Like if you're not getting up, like you're not making no money, like that type of stuff. And uh, he posted that video, and it got like 20 million views on IG. And then from there, he just was more authentically himself. And that's what I tell him too, and me, and like everyone that we work with. It's like we have to learn how to be like more ourselves, but also not like break our professionalism. And it kind of it kind of stems with like us doing stuff like this, like more of the formal interviews, but now we're getting into some additional shows that are, you know, we can be more loose and, you know, we're not like a lot of, a lot of times like shout out to Carlos. Cause I mean, he's meeting you for the first time, meeting him for the first time, but a lot of the guests, like he will be meeting them for the first time. So he has to like be in a certain, you know, until you get to like give a vibe and know the person, but it's definitely one of those things where you don't want to be too robotic, but you need to have your character show too, you know? Yeah, I'd say about 90% of the time, it's my first time meeting the guys. Probably more than that, actually. Oh, like 95. Cool. Probably makes it, do you think that makes it easier or harder to ask questions? Harder. Yeah, because uh, I don't know you. If I know you, it's easier to have a, just with anybody. Like when you know somebody, it's easier to have a conversation. I've known him for 10 plus years, so I can spark up a conversation like it's nothing. Um, I know what he likes. He knows what I like. I know what he doesn't like. I mean, we're big sports fans. He likes OU. I like Texas. So, like, it's just easy to, you like, keep. yeah. Let's fucking go, baby. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just easy to just talk to him because I know what he likes. And we, yeah. I mean, we talk mainly about sports all day when we text. And it's just different stuff about OU, different stuff about Texas, different stuff about the Michigan thing going on right now. Just different things. So, it's, it's a lot easier to talk to somebody, in my opinion, when you know him versus when you don't know mm -hmm. him. But I'm very blessed to be a people person and I've always been that way and I get that from my dad my dad can go talk to a wall and have a whole conversation and I've been like that my whole life no if a stranger like I have a vivid memory of like we went to Hooters to watch UFC fight because there's no cover charge and I'm just there's a random guy next to me and the whole time I'm just talking to him. I'm like 12 years old 13 years old it's a random guy I'm just talking to, about UFC the whole time and I've, I've just always been like that that's where I get it from but it's crazy too because i'm the biggest introvert that you'll ever meet but you wouldn't get that vibe because i seem like an extrovert yeah most most introvert extroverted person i've ever met in my life it makes no sense mm. but it works you know so yeah i don't know <laughs> but yeah i'm, I'm just uh, i'm blessed in that i've always been a people person so it's always been easy for me to make conversation mm -hmm. because i'm very different too because i the amount of things that I like, you wouldn't like expect it. Like I just like different things from just random places. I'm just mm -hmm. like, oh, that's cool. Like it'll be like, I like anime, I like rap music, I like baseball, I like gaming, I like 
uh, shoes, like just different, just from different areas. But um, you just like knowing me, you wouldn't expect it from me. So I feel like I'm able to relate to different people mm-hmm. from different areas just because I like so many different things. Mm-hmm. And I have so many different forms of friends. And then I feel like if I brought all my friends together, would it mesh very well? Just because they're all com- like each friend groups of friends are completely different. different yeah. That's kind of how I've always been also. My mm-hmm. dad's also one of the best people person, people, people, people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. He, um, he makes every single person he's talking to feel like the most important person. in yeah. the room, And it's very cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's also makes it easier for the other person too. Yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt. Because it's not like we're not sitting here in an awkward silence, not knowing what to say. No, nah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like that, I think I think that's always been some like a great skill that I've also had too is just being able to like I mean when I first met you like just talk to you, enjoy the conversation, and I'm just I don't know like I've always just been able to talk to people, which it helps a lot with this. And I, I and I talk to him about it all the time because people are like, oh, like you're good at talking to someone you don't know. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because the, like, I'm sure the podcast has helped a little bit, but I think it was just kind of something that we've already, we're both good at, I think. And then it just kind of, you know, snowballed and compounded. So. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm a, so I'm an extrovert definitely, but I have extreme social anxiety. Mm. And so like, there's probably a lot of comics around Austin who think that I'm just like a dick because I go into like clubs and stuff and I'm usually pretty shy because I don't know most of the people around me. And so I might kind of seem like a dick or something, but I'm honestly just having social anxiety. And my biggest thing that's helped me with that is once I start talking to someone, I just put all my attention onto them. And that just kind of gets rid of it for me. It's something I actually learned in my acting school. When you're acting, if you have all your focus on the other person, it's a lot harder to have a bad performance because you're just so in the moment and you're just responding to what they're giving you. And so that's what, if I'm feeling uncomfortable in a situation, I'll try and just put all my attention on who I'm talking to. It's crazy you do stand-up, but you have social anxiety. Oh, there are a lot of comedians. Really? Who have that's probably anxiety. how they, it's, it's just easier for them. Yeah, a lot of us are awkward, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a thing, but. I guess I would say I'm kind of like your dad. And I, I feel like that's the reason it's easy for me to spark conversation is because, like, I genuinely, like, enjoy meeting new people and, like, talking to new people and, like, hearing their background. The other thing is, too, is, like, you also never know who you're going to meet mm-hmm. is the other thing. And, like, if you don't talk to somebody, like, you don't know who they know. You don't know who they are. Um, you don't know how much they can help you or, like, if it's your next boyfriend girlfriend or whatever the best friend like you just never know who they are and like until you talk to them you're not gonna know but i generally enjoy like getting to know people yeah same here for me i've noticed as soon as i get past that initial like high then it's like pretty much gone after that because i do love meeting new people like i love having wild conversations Mm -hmm. with uber drivers yeah, I heard some crazy stories from Uber. Drivers. You hear some crazy stuff, yeah. but they also see probably the most crazy stuff because yeah. they're always on the road or like getting drunk people, whatever the case is. Yeah, when I was in LA, I would have these Uber drivers. Oh, sometimes. that's the place, probably. Yeah, like I was talking to one guy who's this old man, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, I did all the um, like visual effects for like movies back in the day. So like, if there was like." You know, like Christopher Nolan uses like models instead mm-hmm. of CGI. He like mm-hmm. made those. And That's so cool. He was telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like, I have so many residuals off the movies I've done. He's like, I just do this 
two times a week to give my wife a day to herself and so I can meet new people. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, he's yeah. probably because Christopher Nolan has some great films, so he's probably making good money off those. Yeah, well, this guy didn't do it for Christopher Nolan. Oh, but um, but he did. He almost, just did that stuff like that, dude. He almost did Star Wars. He said he read the Star Damn. Wars script and thought it was the stupidest movie he's ever read, and nothing's gonna happen with it. And he was like, "That was one of the bigger mistakes I've made." That's crazy. But I just goes to show you how successful he still is to like yeah. not do Star Wars. Yeah, and just do be. Uber two days a week just to do it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, crazy. He's a cool guy. He was a that's really crazy. Fun conversation. Um, that's that's your that's your Star Wars. He's a big Star Wars guy for sure. What do uh, you think of the new ones? The new ones, they're not they're not as bad as people think or like say they are. They're not great, but they're not. I don't know. Like the the last one, I thought was like a good way to tie that series up on with a bow. Thought it was I was entertained. It was you know it was whatever. The first one was. I'm trying to think. Oh, shit. The first one was was decent. The second one was just kind of dumb. You could tell it was like a setup movie, mm-hmm. but understandable. Um, I don't know. They weren't they're not like awful, but I think for me, I think the the thing I do like with Disney taking over Star Wars is all the little spin-offs and like all the little stuff that they're doing to fill in the massive Star Wars universe that we weren't getting. Like you're getting um like more of like the animated stuff from Disney, like and they're, you know, Pixar and all of them and then you're also getting um, just more uh, like individual like, individual character or? stuff. Like you weren't getting that prior, and I don't think you would have got that if George Lucas was still you know owning it all. He would probably be just you probably would have got better movies, but I also don't think it would have got ex, ex, you know extended. I think it would have just stayed where it was at. You know, I like the yeah. shows for it. I think the shows are really good, but I don't like the movies for it. I don't know. I guess, but I think that's what I'm saying. I think most people for the movies they just go into it with a negative perception off oh, rip. Uh, to be honest, I, I mean, I, it, I'm one of those fans because, like, when I watch, when I'm watching Star Wars, like, I expect Star Wars. I like going back in the day, like, you saw people's like arms getting chopped off, you saw legs getting chopped off, like, um, Anakin. But, like, from what I remember, they don't really show that in Disney because it's like Disney, yeah, yeah. See, for me, the first six. Like, obviously, the yeah. original and then the Anakin trilogy. Mm-hmm. Those, I was obsessed with those growing up. Yes. And I just felt like once Disney took over, mm-hmm. they lost their edge. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Definitely. I remember, like, I, I just remember being a kid, like, when episode three came out, it was just, like, it was insane. Dude, I saw it, like, ten times. Ten times, like, like, a lot. So obsessed. All our friends would show up to class with, like, lightsabers. Like, What's your favorite one out of the six? My favorite one is definitely the last one. Really? Yeah. I really enjoy... I'm a huge fan of movies. Movies mm. are like my sports. Me, t- me too. I like movies a lot. I, yeah. I follow movies the way like people follow sports. I obsess over every aspect of it. Mm. And um, I love the way you watch Anakin turn to the dark side. And mm. the entire time, you're like... Even as like a 10-year-old, I was like, shit. I might do the exact same thing if, like, I mm-hmm. thought I was going to be able to save the person I love more than anything in the world. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, the fall of the Andes, he couldn't save her. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was, uh, I was trying to remember which one that was, because I don't, like, remember them in order. Three. But, like, if you say, yeah. like, talk yeah. about them, I go, okay, I can't remember it's what that the was. sixth movie, episode three. Episode yeah. three. Um, Revenge, or the Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Mm, yes. Revenge yes. Of the Sith. Yeah. Revenge of the Sith. My favorite is Empire Strikes Back, episode five. That's a good one. Oh, that is a great one. Yeah, that's my favorite. When yeah. Luke Skywalker came out in the yeah. black, I was like, let's fucking go. Yeah. The black fit and the green lightsaber. The Hoth, the Hoth battle, like, 
Yeah. yeah. What's the one when they fight? Um, is it General Grievous? That's his name? That's episode three. Yeah, that's episode, episode three. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's probably my favorite. Just because, I mean, the whole flow of that movie. There's just a lot going on. But the thing is, too, this is why I think people go, in, go into the Disney ones with, like, a negative perception is because when the prequel trilogies came out, People didn't like those movies. Yeah, like, especially like episode one and two. Like they like those are some of the worst like rated Star Wars movies by fans. I love them, even though I love them. Yeah. But you know, I'm just but saying like we the people that also. the people that grew like my dad and stuff. Like he liked them all right, but he was like, oh, these aren't like the ones I grew up on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know why um, Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu, has a purple lightsaber? Uh, I remember telling him this story, but I probably forgot. It was a. Uh, it's a funny story. Yeah, I know he like. I forgot. You you sell it because you probably know it. So um, George Lucas is showing him like the edits of the lightsaber battle scenes and in Attack of the Clones, there is that giant fight in like the arena and all the Jedis are down there. Mm -hmm. Samuel L. Jackson's like, I can't see what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't. He's like, is that me? He's like, you know what? He's like, is there a purple lightsaber? And like, no, no one has a purple lightsaber. He goes, I have a purple lightsaber now. I want to be able to watch myself during the fights. Give me a purple lightsaber. And when Samuel L. Jackson asks for a purple lightsaber. Yeah, you're giving him a purple mm-hmm. lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, what's that YouTube account you follow? Uh, it was uh, like Star Wars Theory or Jedi Theory. It was like, it's like a Star Wars like lore account. Like, Do they, you follow them on YouTube? It's like, a, they just go into depth about everything. Like stuff they don't talk about, stuff they talk about in the books. Like I talked to him like Jedi stances as nerdy as this is like Obi-Wan and Anakin, like the way, the reason why that the fight was like, even like a stalemate is because Anakin is like an aggressive, like aggressive stance, aggressive, like lightsaber Jedi and Obi-Wan's like straight defensive. So they just like, they per, it's a perfect like match. And it's like stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's like nerdy and stuff, but it's co- It's like cool though. Like, it's like, Oh, that makes sense. That's why it was, like that, you know. Yeah, and that's why I was talking about, like <laughs> I like so many different things. Was so like I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and <laughs> I guess it's the first time I'm saying it to him. But like, I know that like Star Wars people would give the work to the Harry Potter. Dude, people. We're always arguing. He's uh, like, but I always like tell him like, bro, like, no, a wizard would fuck up a Jedi. And he was like, no, they would not. <laughs> he goes into this Ooh, whole thing. That's a good argument. He think he thinks that a Jedi would fuck up a wizard. And I it really think they would, but I always like, like to mess with anything. them like a wizard would. Because here's would the work. question, though. So, like, I originally probably say a Jedi would fuck up a wizard too, but what if they just hit him with the death curse immediately? Do got a point? Yeah, there. but I just feel like I don't know. I'm just like they have the force, so I'm like, that's to me that's like magic. Like that's equal, and then they they're way better in combat. Okay, but what about this Voldemort versus a Jedi? Voldemort. I think the average wizard would get smoked by a Jedi. But Voldemort versus Sidious, or like, Vol- what versus you like, do is hit him with the death. I guess could you block it with your lightsaber? You know, because like Sidious oh, is like the the Sith Lord. Yeah. You know, or dude. Ugh. Okay, Grievous might fuck him up because Grievous is a robot. That's true. Yeah, you can't hit him, yeah, with, can't hit him with the. Yeah. That's true. Or maybe R two is the one who survives. C three PO. That's crazy. Is it hard for you to like watch movies, or is it like? No, I no. love movies. Um, I've been obsessed with movies since I was a little kid. Not how hard as in like you can't watch them, but more hard as in like since you've been in acting school and like you kind of know more of the behind the scene things or like when it's you've also edited so like cuts and all that. So it's like, is it in that way? Is it harder for you to watch movies? It's hard for me to watch bad ones. For yeah. Sure. Um. 
one thing that really bothers me that most people don't notice in movies is bad writing, like overly expositional writing, or people are saying things in sentences to explain to the audience what's going on, but that's never how you would talk if you were in a real conversation. So that mm. bothers me a lot. Mm. What are, I guess, your top three movies? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, in no particular order, The Departed. It's a good movie. I love that movie. And it has one of the biggest holes in the plot out of any movie I've ever seen, but it's still one of my favorites. Leonardo DiCaprio is my all-time favorite actor. He's phenomenal. I love him. Um, so Departed is up there. Oh, Zoolander has such a special place in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> the first movie I ever saw was Titanic. My mom brought me to the theater when I was like a baby baby. It's a great um, movie. And my Long sister had to leave the theater because she was like crying and she was like two or three. And I, my mom said, would only cry if she took me out of the theater. And then as soon as I went back in, I was like, like mesmerized. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, but the first comedy I ever saw when I was like four years old was Zoolander. And so I find that so funny. Owen mm -hmm. Wilson's one of my favorites. Um, I really like like hard hitting comedies like Tropic Thunder. That is such a great movie. It's so geniusly written. And then um, this is kind of corny, but Crazy Stupid Love, super high on my list. I heard I that was that a movie. great, a great movie. It's a great movie. If it wasn't called Crazy Stupid Love, a lot more men would watch it. Probably. Yeah. Did you watch? Um... I do like this movie. I've What's seen this. What's the Asian one? Crazy Rich Asians? Yes. Did you watch that one? I started watching it on an airplane. Was very entertained by the first 20 minutes, but then we landed and I just never picked it up. Never again. picked yeah. it up. That's a, I like that yeah, one. That was a good that, one. My mom, she was watching that movie like 10 times in one year when it first came out. She yeah. loves that movie. Did you watch, um, what's the movie called? Uh, what the one that just came out? Yeah. Oh, uh, the one that won like nine Oscars. Yeah. Oppenheimer. No. Nah. Everywhere. I don't all know, at, like the whole thing. All at once. Everything. Everywhere. Everything. All yeah. Yes. That, that Dude, movie. I haven't watched it yet. I really need to watch it. I think yeah. I'm gonna like. I haven't watched it with yet. A yeah. Friends. And just Dude, it, it's in like from just like the filmmaking aspect. You're just it's just like a lot. Like it's definitely overwhelming to somebody. I feel like to the average viewer, because like I watched it with my girlfriend and she thought it was cool, but I don't think she like. Was as because I she was like oh it was pretty good and I was like that movie was like one of the best movies I've seen and she was like really I was like yeah but I think I was just looking at it more so of like the filmmaking perspective all the editing mm -hmm. like and then the acting was obviously really good and the plot was good it was entertaining and I was just like this is just like a cinema masterpiece you know yeah so one of my favorite movies is Eternal Summer of the Spotless Mind Jim Carrey movie and I've heard that Everything Everywhere All at Once is a very similar vibe of kind mm -hmm. of a nonlinear or not nonlinear but like very like just crazy outside of like the regular yeah. web of reality. Yeah. I really love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so my favorite actor has like changed uh, like three times. It was um, Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. He's on the um, Mount Everest of actors, in my opinion. It was Tom Hardy. And then it went to um, Leonardo. Once I saw... I was I, I like Leonardo, but once I saw um, the Revenant, and then once I saw um, the Great Gatsby, I was like, okay, yeah, he's him, and he he's just so versatile. He can play anything. Mm -hmm. And then right now, um, it's Ryan Gosling. 
I love Ryan Gosling. I love Ryan yeah, Gosling. I love Ryan Gosling. So everyone you named are all in like my top five. The top like, five, I love, yeah. I love Ryan Gosling. He's someone else that is so versatile. And then my mm-hmm. list is changing. My favorite movie of all time is still Goodfellas. Oh, that's definitely up there for me. And then I think number two is probably La La Land. That's a great movie. I love La La Land. That's such a... And talk about a movie that's like perfect like the writing is perfect the actors are perfect for it um just the way they just made the movie flow was mm-hmm. perfect that fight scene between them when he's saying how he's going on tour again and it turns into that huge that is like a master class in acting like that is they such did a, a good, great job emma i feel like emma stone's very underrated she's amazing she's yeah. great she's um, so good and then Another, I think, because I, I watched it when I was younger, but I didn't like really, I watched it in theater with my dad, but I didn't really understand it. Then I revisited it again way later, but I think my number three, number one movie, no, number three overall favorite movie now is Shutter Island. That's a great movie. Really? I still don't know, like, it's you a, know it's it a, you ha- It's a mind fuck. You have to like watch it a few times, like, I how is he? It. But then you like realize like, oh. That makes sense. So, oh well, I man, I guess if you haven't seen Shutter Island by now, we're not yeah. spoiling anything. But yeah. Like, so <laughs> I've seen it like four or five times. I'm still not 100% sure he was crazy. He probably was. He, it makes sense because like his kids are dead and his wife's dead. So it's like that would yeah. drive you crazy. Yeah. That's what, that's and, but, and it also makes sense because it's like, but he was on the boat. But they're, I guess, because it it them on the boat. Fuck yeah. 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 That's a great movie. It's a great movie. And then I guess another one that I really liked too was Interstellar. Oh, yeah. That's another Yeah, Interstellar's good. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen The Gentleman? That's, I need to watch that movie. That movie is fire. That is one of the best opening scenes to movie I've ever yeah. seen where he's just like, in order to be the king, he's got to be the king. Like, yeah. That's that, so fucking That hard. movie was. It was incredible, and it also had uh, Sons of Anarchy. is like one of my favorite like TV shows of all time. And they had like Charlie Human, and he's like one. He's one of the actors in it. So I was like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, I'm locked in. Fun fact about Sons of Anarchy. You know, it's based on Hamlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Yeah. yeah the whole if the you whole zoom yeah. Out, it's all just the story arc of Hamlet. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Yeah. One of my friends. Um, or I haven't seen him in years, but someone I went to acting school with, his like stepdad was the creator of that show. Wow. And so he told me some cool stuff. But. Yeah, that's dope. He's not on my list. And I don't know many movies besides X-Men, but after The Greatest Showman, I have a lot of respect for Hugh Jackman. Oh, you want to see? Okay, so great Hugh Jackman movie. Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Fire. Fantastic. Hugh I Jackman's, like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot, too. Me, too. Hugh Jackman's best performance. One of Jake Gyllenhaal's. But, oh, my God, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Because he's another one who's very versatile. He can play a yeah. lot of different roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like him a lot, too. But after after I saw uh, The Greatest Showman, I was like, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, he's, he's nice. in I didn't, Yeah, he's in Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, too. Oh, uh, that was a great movie. Yeah. I just saw that. Yeah. Guy Ritchie, he's nice. Guy Ritchie's amazing. Yeah. I just put, uh, he hasn't finished it yet, but he started watching Tombstone. Just put one of our friends on Tombstone. Oh, I haven't For seen it. For real? That he's, I was Steve, Steve, he's, Steve, he's never not, seen it? He's never seen it. Wow. And I've seen that movie that, way too many times. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I need to rewatch it. And yeah. he was like, bro, like, it starts off at 100. 
because mm-hmm. the opening scenes of just like them going to kill the Mexicans, the Cowboys mm-hmm. going to kill the Mexicans at the church after mm-hmm. the guy just got married. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, is like the movie like this? I was like, yeah. And then he got to like, to like halfway and he was like, yeah, it's gas so far. That's mm-hmm. a, that's, that's probably like, um, it's not like an all time, it's an all time favorite, but I don't reckon like in my top three or whatever, but it's, uh, it's a classic that I always like. That's how I feel about, people. uh, that's how I feel about Gladiator. Like it's oh, one of my yeah. favorite movies of all time. I wouldn't say it's like the best movie in my top, but it's like, if it's on, I'm gonna watch it. It's like one of those like a uh, guilty, ple- it's not, I wouldn't even say it's like a guilty pleasure. Cause it's like, this is one of those movies I'll always watch like a eight mile. Like yeah. it was on other, like I literally was on Netflix and I just put it on cause I saw it. I was like, I'm gonna watch this just cause I feel that way about Troy. Same. I'm, I'm like that with one. Troy too. I'm Troy's not a good gay, one. dude, but Brad Pitt in a fucking fur. Like, come on. Yeah. Troy's a good one. No doubt. Uh, my favorite, probably, they're coming out the new one. I, I feel like I always had this argument with you, but my favorite, like, trilogy was probably the newer version of the Apes. I love Yeah, that's those. one of my favorite trilogies too. I was very impressed by those. The, yeah. Like, they, like, because typically when you have, like, a, a number two or number three, like, the first one's always the best, and they just kind of fall off after Shoot. that. I thought all three of those were amazing, yeah. and now they're just making that new one. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I didn't know they're making. They're making a new. They're one. making a new yeah. one. Yeah, it comes out next year. Yeah. Oh wait, I did see a trailer. For yeah, that, yeah. They're yeah, making so. that new one, so I'm excited for that because oh, yeah, all those movies were great. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson's one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson's he was very good. Yeah, he was, he was in the, the third one, one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was, I guess, the one where he was trying to go to war with the apes. Yeah. Yeah, and he like made them slaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great one. Um, that's kind of it for me. I mean, I can go on and on yeah, and on. No I mean, you're, you're you're dope, and I know you said you had social anxiety, so I hope we made things very easy for you <laughs> oh, and made I really it comfortable. This. Perfect, yeah. perfect. We yeah. love to hear that. I don't really get it for stuff like this. It's when I'm in like situations with a lot of people. I don't. Yeah, gotcha. it, it like makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. have anything else? Uh, no, just uh, I guess with the year almost ending, what are some goals you you'd like to finish this year with, and then maybe some stuff for twenty twenty four? Yeah, I definitely. So, one of my big goals is I've been writing, like I said, a lot of more long form, mm-hmm. longer form sketches mm-hmm. with bigger casts. Mm-hmm. So I have a few of them written, and I want to get pretty much all of them ready to shoot, so I can shoot early next year get those coming out um and then just do as much stand-up as i possibly can obviously like my number one goal is be a regular at the mothership but baby steps and so i'm just trying to put myself in situations where i can make that a reality for me because i want to be doing comedy every single night multiple times a night and you know it's definitely possible with open mics and i've done that for a long time but i want to be doing you know a lot more like legit shows mm-hmm. and make it like f- full time. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ideally, I want to be a touring comedian. That's, oh, yeah. that's my dream job is driving from city to city on a bus and just doing spots. Yeah. That's yeah. fire. I just found out it was called the mothership. I didn't know Great. it was called really? that. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when, uh, what Eli was on. Mm. Oh yeah. 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 I, didn't, I didn't know it was called the mothership. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still haven't went cause everything's always sold out every time I look. So <laughs> Sundays, Set an alarm for 1.50 p.m. Okay. And then get multiple devices out, and when, right when it hits two, that's when you get tickets. Okay. But it's a great uh, club. Rewind. Also, one of the uh, – I have, like, a separate – or I guess the only female actress – she's not the only one I like, but a big one I like is Melissa McCarthy. Oh, she's great. She's yeah, really funny. I love Melissa McCarthy. She's great. 
Um, but before we hit this off, is there any shout outs you want to give or anything to us? Um, yeah, just follow me on social media. Uh, I guess I'll look at the camera. I am Primal Daddy across all platforms. If you type that in, you will find me. Check out the sketches. There's more comedy content, more stand-up comedy content coming very soon. And yeah. Yeah, perfect, cool. perfect. As always, we're going to have all his stuff down below in the description. Go give him a follow. Uh, go give him a look. His stuff's funny. Follow him on Instagram. Subscribe to him on YouTube. We know we love the subscribers over here. So go subscribe to him on YouTube. Give mm -hmm. a like, comment. You know the drill. Um, but that'll do it for my boys over here at Opinionated. We'll catch y'all guys next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you.